Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Renee. This is Hope in Crisis, a podcast series about rights and democracy and how technology enables or disables it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to Hoping Crisis. It's a podcast produced by Grossing Tech Taiwan and Bitmark. And we're wrapping up what is the first season. We're going to wrap it up with an AMA. So this is exciting. First time doing it. I have no idea if it's going to work, but let's go for it. <laughs> it's been going on for like 10 minutes. So yeah, look, looks pretty promising. So right. first of all, you're recruiting, right? We are recruiting. Okay. Any... Golang or Kubernetes engineers, please, please DM me, contact me. We have a really exciting project we're working on. It's a microservice architecture around Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin's interesting, if really challenging tech projects are interesting, I've got the job for you. Please uh, reach out. It's a very exciting time to talk about Bitcoin after so many ups and downs recently. Totally. Uh -huh. Mainly up recently. <laughs> what do you think? About Bitcoin? Yeah. Or anything about Bitcoin, about the tech, or about the investment? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't know if you want to get me started talking about Bitcoin. We, we could do a whole podcast just on Bitcoin. Okay, maybe later. We, 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 we've got some questions from our listeners, right? Great. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. Well, I'll just say I love Bitcoin. We'll start there. Wait, why? It's money for the people. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, we've been through millennium where only kings and queens, like only sovereigns could create currency. Mm -hmm. And then somebody figured out how to give the internet currency. Like, oh. if that's not cool, what's cool? GME is cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know that we're not getting there. We're not going there today. So, questions. Um, so... We have already collected a few questions from our uh, Hoping Crisis audiences, but we're also open to Clubhouse questions. Right. So if you have any questions for our host, you can also raise your hand in Clubhouse and we'll invite you to be the speaker. And for now, I would like to first ask our uh, speaker about the uh, questions collected. So the first one would be, Sean often mentioned that his father is a lawyer. Why is that important for him? Oh, that's cool. That's a great question. Uh, so law is about justice. Mm. And the job of a lawyer is to create a more just society. And when I realized that, that law is like a, it's a decentralization of power. It's a poison pill for centralization. Like law, at least common law, which is what I'm most familiar with, it came out of the relationship of the people and the king. And it was basically the people saying, hey, we're going to take some of this power back, back. from you. Mm. Otherwise, we're going to, like, cut your head off. Right. And that's the, that's the lineage. That's the heritage of law. And if that isn't, like, aspirational, I don't know what is. So it took me a long time. Like, when I was young, I always felt that engineers would put lawyers like my dad out of business. We wouldn't, don't need them anymore. Then I realized that actually the way to look at law is it's code that's been debugged for 5,000 years. Mm. And if anybody's ever written code before, it takes a long time to debug code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. But how is it related to your background right now? Like you're now in blockchain industry and how sure. is your dad affecting you? Yeah. So you can think about the relationship between um, law and rights 
So I care most about rights. I think rights are these higher level constructs, and then to be able to enforce rights, people come up with laws. Mm. That's the relationship I see, at least. And so,、um, laws require police and、mm. jails and militaries.、Yeah. And so, what's exciting to me about blockchain is you can actually have rules、mm. without rulers. So you can decide, hey, we're going to enforce this sort of structure, and that's it. Like you don't need people to break kneecaps. You don't need, you know, to send in the marines. Like you can actually have a community that can govern itself.、Mm. And to me, that's like the next evolution of rights and laws. So I think it's fascinating. Like my mom, for the longest time, she could not understand any of this Bitcoin blockchain stuff. Like to her. Felt all kinds of like geeky, nerdy, just、right. can never work. And I explained to my dad what was going on, and he got really excited by it. And normally, my dad—I mean, he can't even use email. I mean, he's、mm. the complete like my mom is sort of a computer person, and my dad is like terrified of computers. But he got blockchain right away.、Mm. That's when I knew it would be here、so、to fundamentally, stay. Fundamentally, it's、yeah. sharing the same structure.、Yeah. Right. It's not about the technology.、Mm. It's about democracy. It's about being able to. Encode rules and allow these rules to be enforced by a community. It's a new form of governance. That's really what it is. How do we tell more people that? Because I think、mm. for a lot of people, not only in Taiwan or the United States, people are afraid of laws. People think that oh,、uh, um, oh, I think laws I think are that, freedom. Yeah, but I think that kind of fear derives from. The concept that knowledge is power, and because、mm. I don't have knowledge of laws, I don't have power. And then someone more powerful can always infringe my rights or violate my rights, and I don't even know how to protect myself or my business. That is, that is what、um, I hear a lot from people who are not in this business, who are not practicing laws. Yeah, I mean, law is really intimidating. I don't think it's. I don't think it's packaged in a way that is for regular people to understand, and that's a bit of a shame. Like we've talked before, I thought everybody should should understand law, just like everybody should understand code. And there's been a lot of effort to make code. Of course, Girls in Tech has done this a lot, but there's been a huge effort of making code accessible.、Uh-huh. And I don't think law is accessible. Right when I was in the UK for my postgrad in translation studies, we were working on.、Um, Describing laws in plain English, because you can be、so、imagine、cool. that、mm-hmm. in the British world, laws are even more inaccessible. They're basically uncomprehensible. Yeah, they use a different language in、um, Parliament、It's, as well. Yeah, yeah. Nobody,、mm. I mean, very few people can understand laws. But I don't think this is actually the way it should be. Or even could It, be. It's not. It's not. That's why we're working on introducing plain English. But like, go back to so, so in America's beginning, there was three documents. You had the Bill of Rights, you had the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and、mm-hmm. these three documents were all of the rules that were necessary to create America. And you can read all three of those things in like I don't know, whatever, thirty minutes, forty minutes. It's、mm-hmm. like five pages. That's it. Whereas if you look at like the healthcare bill, like one of these laws today,、mm-hmm. they're like sixty-five thousand pages. So、mm-hmm. I think we've created a society 
that is unnecessarily complex from the legal side. And it's complex because it plays to people who have power. Sure. But law itself does not need to be complicated. Mm. At its best, it's not. Like, at its best, the, the Constitution is, like, it's a couple pages long. That's it. I want to, like, push it, well, like, pull it back a little bit uh, towards your background. Um, do you, is there a time in your life where you start to question this or you think? Like, question law. Yeah, or, like, why Oh, is from it, day one. Oh, from day oh, one. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. is that why you go down the engineering of route? Of course. Uh, <laughs> Instead of becoming a lawyer, maybe. Because if you think, like, uh, law is That's the, a cool question. Right? Why? Um, no, I always thought it was just boring. Like, why do you need this? Like, okay. Like <laughs> so if, many words. If, if programs can do this, then why do we need people? Like, mm. that's the way I thought about it. Right. Yeah. Like, I thought you could write code that would enforce rules and you would not need any sort of people that interpret those things. Yeah. There, there's, a, mm. um, there's a utopian view that a lot of tech people have. And yeah. I think like all utopia ends in dystopia, yeah. right? And the, the utopia view is that you can actually create a perfect world mm. um, and that uh, humans get in the way. Mm. And that, like, I've totally but, changed on that. Yeah. But surely, like, codes come from people as well because you need someone to code it. Yeah, but computers can write code now. So you think, well, that's actually another question that's going to come up later. But um, what is your ideal world? Would it be, like, computer governing computer? (laughs) Computer governing us? This is actually a question to both of you. What does the ideal world look like to you? I can first talk about the fear um, about machines. People, yeah, people have this fear um, about machines and technology because they don't feel so powerful. So if you think about it, people have been using technologies. People have been using, I mean, humans have been using technologies and tools for five or 6,000 years. It started from... I'd say 2 million years, like since we yeah, became the hand axe. humans. <laughs> right, right, right. The apes. Right. <laughs> so... Um, humans were using stones for crushing crops. And then later, people, I mean, humans were using wheels to increase their mobility and then to increase their workload. So humans are not designed to work a lot. You know, we don't have furs, we don't have strong arms, we don't have speed, we don't have power. We're basically a species that would have been like extinguished by larger or fiercer animals. So we were using technologies to improve our lives from early on. And then technologies have been replacing manpower for a long, long time. For example, the tractors. With tractors, now you can grow more crops. It's all about scalability. It's mm-hmm. all about efficiency. So technologies and tools have been used to increase our scalability and efficiency. And I am asked this question a lot. Um, Many students and clients are interested in knowing if translators and interpreters will be replaced by AI. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that in 1946, if I remember correctly, when ATMs were introduced, bankers were really, really anxious. Mm. Because ATMs 
can do most of their work. But now, if you look at the numbers, there are actually more banks, more branches, and more bankers than the number in 1946. So the fact that we have more ADMs right now doesn't mean we have fewer bankers right now. It only means that machines can do something that machines are really good at. And then people can do other kinds of jobs that require people skills, for example, communication or understanding human behaviors and dissecting investment strategies and so on. So I don't really think that machines are going to replace all humans. And I also believe that if your job can be replaced by a machine, then your job sucks because it means that it means that your humanity is not valued in your workplace. It means that your 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 human side is not being appreciated. It means that you are trading your labor for money. And right, so if your job can be so easily replaced by a machine, then it's time for you to advance your skill set. It's time for you to really understand what value you can put out, how you can help more people, how you can bring value to more people, Mm -hmm. and then use that to trade for money. So, right, I, I... Do you know the irony here, though? So... What is it? The first jobs. So these jobs that are what most people would consider like um, low skill level, low college degree level, Mm. like mechanics, delivering stuff. Uh These are actually probably the last jobs that will be replaced by machines. Like the people like you and me, like we're going to get replaced really fast. Like our jobs, like Uh these, um, these things that we thought would be hard, extremely hard to do, like play chess and um, do creative work Mm. and write things like we thought that would be super, super hard, that machines it, would be really it, good it at moving things. It was hard for us humans to acquire, but it's not so hard for machines to acquire. Yeah, and then just like moving something, like, hey, I'm going to move this from here to there uh-huh. and not break it. Uh-huh. That's actually really hard for machines. But for mm-hmm. humans, it's like crazy easy. Right. So this, this is interesting, I think. Right. So <laughs> many people worry about... It's different no. to have the skill set than uh, to like really nail the skill set. For interpreters like Renee, yeah. she is like a really good interpreter that Google Translation couldn't even uh, compare. Yeah, yeah, that's coming very fast. Given that a couple of years. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm really convinced that anything intellectual that a human can do, machines can do much better. Right. And Just a couple more them? years. We should, for sure. We should let them yeah. do it. Like, I can't wait to for, the day. For me, it's harder for machines to replace what I'm doing right now. It's only because of trust. Harder than what? Oh, I mean, machines can do my job, mm-hmm. but my clients are reluctant to let machines do my job. And it's only because of trust. Because right now, if you want machines to do my job, it means that the closed door conversations have to be uploaded to the cloud. And then you rely on cloud technology to interpret. So, for example, if you want to have a conversation behind closed doors where there's no internet access, then you still need a human interpreter. Yeah, I think there will be some of these, like I would call these edge cases. Like somebody wants these these strange, like okay, nobody can hear about this. It can never go on the internet. Yeah, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Your job is safe. But yeah. everything else, 
You better start finding another job. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I already did. <laughs> I mean, it. Um, last year. I would bet you within ten years uh-huh. that.、Um, that. So, for example,、AI、Microsoft would be, Teams. Would, yeah. Microsoft Teams.、Um, it's something like Google Hangouts or、okay. Skype.、Um, right now, it gives you real-time caption. If、okay. your conversation is in English, I imagine just about. Ten to eighteen months for the machines to start translating the real-time captions. Then it becomes real-time interpretation. Yeah.、Uh-huh. Yeah. Speech to text, real-time interpretation. So okay. I so I already foresee that. So let, let's let's go at the utopia for a moment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I was gonna say, how's that utopian if well, we're all gonna be replaced? I want to be able to explore the universe. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no way that like us in our biological like this, you know, this、yeah. skin, this flesh,、right. can do that.、Uh-huh. And so, to me, like an amazing future would be.、Uh, and this is going to sound probably crazy to people, but I want to like、Love、actually、it. merge、yeah. with these machines, so、uh-huh. that I can go visit other galaxies,、uh-huh. um, other、Cyborg. other stuff. Yeah,、uh-huh. yeah. Like I was.、Um, I was listening to this podcast, and he was saying that、uh, that roughly fifty percent of all of the stars that you see、mm-hmm. in the universe have、uh, exoplanets. So、mm-hmm. these are planets that are orbiting them. Right. And one in five exoplanets is about the size of Earth. So, like, okay, so the utopia for me would be that、yeah. that I would be able to travel through the entire universe,、mm-hmm. and. And I, I really hope hope that we could construct. So so Audrey Tang, she has this phrase. She says conservative、uh-huh. anarchist. Yeah. And it took me a long time to understand what that even meant. Right. Like like how can you be an anarchist?、Um, like what does it mean to be a conservative anarchist? And I think、right. it sort of means like okay, I want to rip down all government. Yeah. But maybe slowly and over a long period of time. Right. And my idea of a A world that would be amazing、mm. would be that we would get progressively more simple、mm. in our rules and our ability to govern,、mm. and then we could explore, like we could get like exponentially better in our ability to explore the known universe. Like、mm. that to me would be like an exciting future. So leave the Earth to computers, and then off we go. No, merge with computers. Merge with computers. Yeah, I mean like. We already are in many ways. Like we have a phone. Yeah, I mean, it's you, an extension of our brain. Right, it's just、much. damn slow. Like、yeah. typing on this thing yeah, sucks.、Uh-huh. Right, so it's like, why isn't that like in your head? And yeah, then, and and, <laughs> and then you want to be able to fly faster、uh-huh. too. Like you want. I mean, I, I travel on these airplanes and I hate it. It's so long.、Mm. It takes forever. It's like, why can't we go faster?、Mm. Yeah. Be transported. Yeah. Why not? How is it different from virtual reality? It might be the same. I think so. Yeah, yeah. but I feel、mm. like. If you think about it, there are so many levels of mindset, and then、um, th- I've been studying about brainwaves and brainwave entrainment. I've been thinking about a way to hack into the brain and then guide people to different brainwave states.、Mm. Like I've I've been learning about how to activate people's gamma state or or theta state. And then if you think about it, when you are connected. With the universe, when you are connected with the one, then that becomes transporting you into different universes. I think that's like、mm. actually how people get inspirations.、Mm. My thing about okay merging with computer is that I think 
okay, that is going to be like philosophical now, but isn't that like immortality? So then, you know. Yeah, I think dying probably sucks. Right. Well, yeah, but then it puts an end to the thing. So then now every minute matters because (laughs) (laughs) because you might die someday. Who's the guy (laughs) that recently passed away and he's really, really old? So, Larry King? No. Larry King. Larry King, right? He passed away like a a week or two ago. Anyways, he said that uh, he doesn't he didn't want to die and then he said that um, he wanted to be frozen until one day humans have this technology of resurrecting him yeah so there were there was a lot of talks about um, yeah. if you're ever resurrected are you the same person because obviously if you want to live another 80 years you need a lot of transplantations or a lot of surgeries and then so Mm. What matters really becomes your mindset or your your consciousness. Because if you're in a different body, like now that you pass away, right, and then you get frozen, mm. and then you were thawed, <laughs> and then people bring you back, and obviously you need like a new shell. Yeah. The mind that so matters, what yeah. makes you the original you? Is your consciousness? Otherwise, you're just a different person. That's a Black Mirror episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it is. It Most is. tech ends up like a Black Mirror episode. Right? Right. 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 Yeah. What okay. about Renee? Um, well, so basically, what I'm training myself to do right now is to realize what you want. <laughs> what do you mean? I am. Like you don't know what you want, you think? Or no, what? no, no. I mean, I am. Uh, Learning how to meditate and okay. how to hypnotize myself and other people. And if that works... I better be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Hypnotherapist under training. But, uh, no, I'm Please have a nice our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Give a few star review. Subscribe. <laughs> Donate. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I'm no, talking sorry. about really advanced type of hypnosis and meditation um, is not fully developed yet. But if that works, it means that you can travel to different universes. And then you can find inspiration from the history or from the future. Because there's a saying that uh, people get inspirations from the nature. So when you maintain a really good bond with the nature, like if you're a musician, then how do you compose? Music and how do you find inspirations? You should. It's usually when you are in that uh, specific state of mind. So um, and then, okay. So when you arrive at that specific state of mind, you find inspirations everywhere. So you're trying to hypnotize yourself to get there faster. Yeah, that's right. cool. Right. Uh, so Let us know if it works. <laughs> okay. And then teach me. Okay. Yeah. I would totally, totally dig that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Um, but is that your 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 ideal world? No, it's not. It's your ideal world, and I'm learning how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> my ideal world. My ideal world is that I want people to find power from within. That's actually what I learned from 2020. Mm. Mm. I was very people pleasing because that's how I work. That's how I make money. I need other people to recognize my work, my service quality, and my expertise. So um, when I lose contact 
of my clients when they stopped paying me for my expertise, I was pretty lost. And then it turned out that oh, it's it's not only about work. I found out that it's、um, how I deal with people. I didn't know that I was seeking approval or seeking recognition, but that's what COVID nineteen taught me. So,、mm-hmm. and then.、Um, I got my insight and my observation, and then I observed more people, and I found out that actually,、um, a lot of people are building their self worth on other people's approval and recognition. And if there's a way to take the power back,、mm. it's very powerful. So that's what I want to do.、Uh, yeah. I mean,、uh, right? That's what I want to do.、Um, so that's my new project for 2021, and also that's my ideal. Mm. Does it sound too idealistic or too optimistic or too philosophical? <laughs> no, no, I agree. Oh, oh,、okay. I agree. Yeah,、okay. I think so. I think a lot of problem nowadays is people's insecurity projecting onto each other, and you know, people dealing with their egos. So if, like you said, everyone can just get their self worth sorted, and <laughs> I think so. I think it'll be a pleasant world, more pleasant world. Right. Yeah. Because in twenty twenty,、um, there are. A few sectors, business sectors, that grew really, really fast. One、mm. of them is training and online education, and I think that people find out that they need a new set of skills to、um, adapt to the new future or adapt to uncertainty. But I think the power is always from within. So you don't need other people to、mm-hmm. tell you. What are required in the future? For example, a lot of people are、um, taking online courses about AI, about machine learning, about deep learning, in the fear that they can be replaced or in the fear that they're missing out.、Mm. But in fact, I think if you know yourself well enough, or actually if you know history well enough, you don't need to be afraid of the future. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not like there's like a fixed number of jobs, right? And then the machines come, and then there's less jobs.、Right. It's like it's this constant evolution, and more and more new jobs are. I mean, a podcaster. Like twenty、mm. years ago, could you imagine somebody called podcaster? <laughs> no. But people make a lot of money at this. I mean, we don't. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe Rogan does pretty well. <laughs>、yeah. But that, yeah. that, it's a real job. It、mm. is. So these jobs are being created all over the place. I think that's what's really exciting. Uh huh.、Mm-hmm. Speaking of podcasts, I'm gonna segue、okay. into next question.、Uh, pod- yes, next question.、Um, there's actually someone asking: Is Clubhouse a threat to podcast? It's not. Can I take that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, sure. What's What's interesting about Clubhouse is that it's real time. That you know you are that we're thinking things and we're talking things, and there isn't like a pause button.、Mm. But I also feel what's What's great about podcasts is that like we put a lot of time into our podcasts,、yeah. especially especially you two, the two producers,、mm-hmm. like a lot of time,、mm-hmm. and a lot of thought goes into who should we get on the podcast, what message are we trying to、uh, help deliver, sure, and so there's a there's a level of production、mm-hmm. that I think is really unique about podcasts. Mm. Um, and and the long form especially like the ones that go on for a while like、mm. I, I know 
uh, in Taiwan, they don't go on for three hours. But mm, my favorite no. podcasts go on for three hours. <laughs> like the yesterday's Clubhouse, um, the one that Elon Musk was on. Yeah. Really, it was an hour in before I was like, damn, this is good. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. So I think um, just like uh, – well, we had a long conversation with Terry on mm. one podcast. And mm-hmm. he kept saying that, well, music – you know, new formats of music right. would come in and it wouldn't like obsolete the old thing, mm. but it would be different. I think Clubhouse is a different format, mm. but I think podcasts are the most important format for media right now, mm. like by far. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you think, Renee? Oh, I don't think Clubhouse is a threat to podcasts. Basically, they're different. So um, <clears throat> as an interpreter, we go to a lot of events. So if you think about it, um, and then uh, try to compare the two to events, then you'll understand that podcasts need production and curation. Mm-hmm. So we spend so much time curating the content, right? It's like you're organizing conferences. But then, of course, you need mixers, you need happy hour, you need tea breaks mm-hmm. so that people can mingle with the speakers. And then speakers actually need constant feedback mm-hmm. to improve. Can you imagine one speaker that reiterates the same message to different mm. um, audiences without getting any feedback? Then he, he or she becomes a recorder, mm. a, a CD player in the end, right? So uh, that's what makes public speakers so interesting. I like Simon Sinek. I also like other really um, aspiring speakers. Mm. And their messages evolve all the time. It's mm-hmm. because they are getting a lot of questions and comments, and then they have, oh, exchange of ideas. I think that's really, really important, and yeah. that's lacking in podcast. Mm. Like, it's really hard for us to get any feedback from our audience. Right. We've been running this for almost a year. So basically, um, I think only 10% of listeners would comment and then even if they do, sometimes the comments are very positive or very polite. Like, oh, great show. <laughs> I, I like it. Mm. But if you want something more insightful, it's very difficult. So for me, I think that podcasts are like conferences. You, uh, mm. you need curators. You need speakers. And then you need to tell them what we want out of this session. And then Clubhouse are clubhouses they're like mixers or happy hours mm. they're complimentary mm. Mm. um okay next one so by far which is your favorite episode on helping crisis and why <laughs> you look like you have a answer sean which one is my favorite oh this is hard um uh, if, if we're talking about the interviews um, I like Carol and Tim. Mm. Uh huh. Why? Why? But you got to pick one. I have a <laughs> favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not pushing you here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll go with Carol. Okay. Really? I, I have yeah. this feeling that you're going to pick. Who do you think yeah. I was going to pick? No, actually, I'm picking Carol. Oh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Why? Well, you want me to start? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sure we're picking her for different reasons. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. There was this part in the conversation with 
with Carol was she was talking about social norms, mm-hmm. and she was talking about laws, and that that these laws are like there is a mechanism to fix laws, mm-hmm. but there's not really a good mechanism of fixing social norms. Mm. That's what she was saying. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. That's not true. Like, mm. the social norms are changed just like that by tech. Like, mm. tech is the lever that you fix or you change social norms. Mm. And I just don't think people think about it that way. Mm. That, like, if you want to create a better society, okay, you do have to evolve these laws, but you really have to focus on those social norms. Mm. And the social norms you can change with the people. You don't need the government. Mm. Like you, you don't need this top-down sort of force. Like if you put an app yeah, in somebody's hand, it changes. Yeah, social norms are usually it. so deeply rooted. I think they change overnight now. Mm. I, For I, example, I, I think, can you give us one example? Uh, I think the speed that technology. Well, I'm in Clubhouse. We're talking about Clubhouse right now. I mean, this is like two years ago. It didn't even exist, right? So the speed at which um, what society accepts as okay mm. is okay. just. Like breakneck speed. So, mm-hmm. law takes like I mean she's been talking about like equality. Right, right. I'm thinking about bias. hundreds of years. Clubhouse is a way to accelerate the spread of message, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if people are still biased, then Clubhouse is also a way to spread the bias. It's not fixing it. Well, so for example. Um, I'm very new to Clubhouse. I think I just installed it last week. And then most of the time, when I go to startup rooms or entrepreneurship rooms or uh, angel investor rooms, eighty percent of the participants are men, mm. or eighty percent of the people who have the microphone are men. So Clubhouse is new, and then it changes people's. Behavior it changes user behavior, but it doesn't change the bias. So I wasn't saying that the technology is is good or bad. I think that of course、um, that that what's missing is the conversation about how do you actually change norms the right way with technology.、Hmm. Okay, so 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 law strives for this equality. That's what law is striving for.、Hmm. That's that's why you know probably.、Um, She went into law school. That's why my dad went to law school.、Mm. And but there was this gap,、mm. and the the gap was always okay. So you have this law. Well, yeah, screw your laws. I don't care about your laws,、mm. right? And、um, but with with software specifically,、mm. doesn't matter if you care about the laws or not. Like you're on Facebook. It doesn't matter if you don't want your data. Taken, repackaged, sold to the highest bidder. That's just how Facebook works.、Mm. So they can flip any norm. Like the norm was okay. You have some resemblance of privacy. At least that was a norm in America. Right. This is gone.、Mm. Tech just flipped that. They they don't care.、Mm. Right. And so these norms they can flip. Okay, maybe not overnight, but they can flip in a decade.、Mm. Whereas if law wanted to flip that, it I mean. Okay. <sighs> yeah, What I'm thinking is like,、um, oh, sorry. So what I'm thinking is like on Twitter,、um, you know, well, back in the days, it's like if you have any sort of left wing idea, you're like a communist.、Mm-hmm. But nowadays on Twitter, you see so many、um, viral tweets or、um, or like memes.、Um, people are now talking about more socialist idea, more more healthcare, more 
two thousand the the uh, two thousand dollar um, in America, and that's that's facilitated by tech. That's yeah, I think a, memes are technology. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's changing the norms. Yeah. But my question is, um, isn't that just like algorithm? Is that just the tweet that I'm ah, seeing? No. Um, the algorithms, right? the algorithms boost what's happening. Mm. So. Uh, the technology. But within the echo chamber, though, um, they'll boost it wherever. So, mm. so, so these these platforms are largely closed systems. Like they're largely like what's in Twitter stays in Twitter. Yeah. And then there's an algorithm that you don't know how it's working, and it's just boosting things mm. based on engagement, based on whatever the business wants to promote. Yeah. And and so, this is mm. the problem: is that that's yeah. incredibly powerful. Like mm. unbelievably powerful. Sure. And we're using it to manipulate people to buy things. Yeah. Right? We're not using it to fix social norms. Mm. Like there's a lot of really bad social norms. I mean, we can go into that. But I mean, Carol Lynn talked mm. a lot about those bad mm. social norms. Mm. But we're not using the AIs to fix the social norms. We're using them to make us buy stuff mm. or click on a link. Right. Yeah. So that was the most interesting. Right, of course, right. I, I also loved Tim, and he's doing this school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, um, I think that's still, that's still a while mm-hmm. for it to work out. But just the observation, or the realization, I would say rather that that technology is what operates on social norms, whereas law is what operates on kind of whatever policy. That the social norms in many ways are stronger than the law. Mm-hmm. Like you change those social norms, and the law has to change. I actually want us to take a break here. Yeah. Okay. So this is the first part of AMA, and mm. we're going to start it after the break. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm. Bye. Recording a podcast right now, and we—if you have any questions for us during our discussion, uh, please feel free to just raise your hand in the clubhouse room. I think it's okay for you to raise your hand. Uh, I guess it. I guess it is. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So uh, we're now doing a podcast, and the podcast is called Hoping Crisis. And what Hoping Crisis is about is actually how technology is doing. The, uh, is enabling or disabling uh, rights and democracy. So the the discussion today will be uh, about uh, the questions we get uh, we got from our audiences. So we already collected a series of questions from our audiences, and now we are going to let Renee and Sean answer the questions. Okay, bring it on. Okay. So the first question. So uh, we did a live podcast on December, and the live podcast is about the social dilemma. And don't know if any one of you have ever watched this uh, documentary already. The question is accordingly regarding the human bias behind the program or system. What is the difference between blockchain and the automatic recommendation AI mentioned in the video? At some level. Isn't the blockchain system built with bias of human will? You can take that. Sure. I don't think the bias is the problem.、Uh, the problem is that you don't actually know what these 
AIs are optimized for. So if you say, hey, I have a blockchain, well, you can see the consensus rules. You know what the rules are. You know how transactions are going to get approved or disapproved. But let's say you post news over Facebook. You have no idea what they're going to do with it. You have no idea which news they show you. Why do they show you? So the whole, the whole governance structure of Facebook is completely opaque. Mm. And that's the difference. They're, they, um, they're just doing totally different things. One is trying to be as transparent as possible mm. using a consensus protocol. The other is just like trying to milk you for as much data and money as they can. Mm. Great. I'm, I'm just thinking if there's any other way to do this, to, to run the social media. So far, um, we're not seeing that on Clubhouse. Well, but maybe it's because it still has a very small number of users. We don't know the business model of Clubhouse yet. No. So wait till these companies have to make money. And then if the product is free, you know, as the saying goes, then you're the product. Right. And so it's only a matter of time before these companies have to make money and they'll do it in any way that they can. Mm -hmm. So I actually really, I get uneasy when there's a product that I think is good mm. and it's free. I really don't like it anymore. There was a time where I was like, ah, oh, this is so cool. It's free. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like, ah, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> you know you're paying it. Like, Can you yeah. take my money? And then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so I think this is actually one of the real fundamental issues right now with technology is we're getting conditioned to expect it to be free. Mm. Yeah. That can be changed. I'm I so hope so. Yeah, I'm so sure that it can be changed. I think with new apps coming along, or maybe it's not apps, new technologies coming along, people will expect a different model. So I wish it was an exchange model. So this model of buying something, consuming something, to me is also part of the problem. Like mm -hmm. we are expected to buy, 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 buy. Yeah. Like uh, when they gave the bonus, or I shouldn't call it a bonus, um, when they gave the taxpayers in America uh, free money. Mm. Most people went to Walmart and bought TVs, <laughs> literally. Mm. Mm. Okay. Right? And so we are just so conditioned to buy. Mm. But wouldn't it be more interesting? What would you do if you receive free money? I would think about how you, how could you invest this? How could you turn this into wealth? Okay. Right. And, or what could you build with this that would create more wealth? Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's the part that I feel like we're, we're, it's either it's free or you have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But we're creating value when we're using these social networks. So why isn't there some system that rewards that value? But how do you quantify that exchange? Well, that's what markets do. Like the whole, like mm. what a market does at the end of the day is it matches a, a you know, two orders. Somebody right. has something that they're offering. Somebody has something that they want. And, mm. it, and, it, and it creates a price. So data as currency, but not money? Uh, I'm not actually sure like what, like not everything that has value has a monetary mm. sort of sign attached to it. I mean, there's social value, there's economic value. Yeah. And I would like there to be more of both, right, on mm. the internet. That we've kind of created a lot of social exchange on the internet. I mean, Wikipedia mm. is amazing. Yeah. Fantastic social exchange. Yet everything economic 
looks like, well, these gatekeepers. Like you have some central authority which every transaction runs through them and then they censor everything. I shouldn't say censor. They, they, they have their own rules of what they want to do with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Where is the equitable exchange economically across the internet? Mm. Okay, so the next question is, how can the upcoming tech help us build a better education system to eliminate the bias and ensure people to think more to avoid the uh, the ignorance of the facts in any system. This person is asking about how to improve education system and eliminate bias, right? Yeah, I, I think he has this question out of the live podcast because in live podcast episode, we talk a lot about uh, like the, the entire digital environment. How is it affected by the appearance of social media and how these are all affecting teenagers and how their be- behaviors are changed in, in the modern society, and that is somewhat problematic. And this person, oh, what I, what I feel is that uh, they are they are trying to have a discussion around this. If there's one thing, just only one thing I can teach my son, that would be concentration. I want to teach him how to concentrate on what he's doing or what he's thinking. I want him to start something, follow through. And finish it, and I think that's the if if there. Don't let him watch YouTube. <laughs> Meditate, mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like my kid finishes nothing my on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, this is boring. Or TikTok, no TikTok. <laughs> right, no TikTok. No TikTok. Right, TikTok is even worse than YouTube. Yeah. Right, because I think it's really important that you invest enough time. In thinking about a problem systematically, and then allowing yourself to spend more time looking for possible solutions, and then ideas can come along. Also, like mistakes and failures will come along too, but they are all really good learning opportunities. So,、um, I think if everyone knows, or if the majority of people. Know how to concentrate on thinking, then they would understand that each moment is very valuable and very precious. Like your life is a collection of minutes and hours. If you give away a part of your time, there's no way that you can take it back. I mean, if you spend money, you can always make more money. But if you give away a part of your life to someone, there's no asking it back. So, in that sense,
podcast is brought to you by Bitmark and Girls in Tech Taiwan. So Bitmark uh, was founded from the belief that data is the next major asset class. And so what Bitmark does is create tools for individuals to gain control and access over their data and eventually unlock all kinds of new value in that data. Girls in Tech Taiwan is the Taiwan chapter of a global nonprofit focused on the engagement, education, and empowerment of influential women in technology and entrepreneurship.